This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. I'm your host, Charlie McDermott. Welcome to episode number 456 of the Good Neighbor Podcast. Today we have Brian Herrick. He's with Key Private Bank. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we love folks that kind of guide us a little bit or at least open our eyes to the possibilities of maybe better finance uh, management and all that fun stuff. Uh, so, uh, yeah, looking forward to what you have to share with us. But let's start with Key Private Bank. Tell us about it. Well, Key Private Bank is the uh, the wealth management arm and the trust company of Key Bank, which is a super regional out of Cleveland. Uh, so that's where they're headquartered, but it is a 190-year-old trust company, I think, that originally started in Albany. So we have some some lengthy heritage there, um, basically providing kind of ongoing financial planning, trust and estate administration, investment management, banking and credit, as well as insurance for clients that have uh, $2 million or more in investable assets or $5 million in net worth. So typically, people, you know, the affluent and ultra high net worth group is who we serve. Got it. Got it. And what was your journey like uh, in getting into the financial services world or a key private bank? Yeah. So I was actually um, in the National Guard in Virginia and I was uh, I did that for about six years. And in the meantime, I was managing a restaurant in Virginia and working my way through uh, my undergraduate degree. And shortly after getting my degree, I uh, I had a hard time. It was post 2008, I think it was 2010. <laughs> and so uh, banking jobs uh, were not necessarily plentiful. And I didn't know you couldn't just walk into a bank and be a branch manager. So I started off as a part-time teller uh, and within three months kind of became a, a, a full, uh, full-time teller, which I thought was a big deal. And then moved into becoming a banker, a business banker, and then eventually transitioning from retail banking into wealth management as an associate. And that was back in 2012. So I've been doing that this ever since. Wow. Wow. How'd you uh, make it down to Florida then from Virginia? Uh, I was recruited by the same person that hired me. Uh, so I, I moved down from Vermont. And uh, oh, the wow. yeah, the gentleman who hired me into the bank um, uh, had taken over as the bank president here in Florida. And he found out that I was looking at other opportunities and said, before you do that, why don't you come down here? So I flew down in May of 2014, right at the tail end of season. And he took us to the Ritz Carlton. He took us to La Playa and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I think he even took us to, to Bayside and uh, we were like, okay, this is it. This is, uh, this is, we've hit the lottery. And so uh, we signed a lease that weekend before we left, before I even had a job offer. And we wow. Back down in July. So that's, that's how quick that happened. Oh my goodness. That is great. How about when it comes to myths or misconceptions in your world and in your industry? What, what do you hear, Brian, that you can talk about? Um, there's a lot of misconceptions. I think uh, I, I think a big one that I, I I've been finding, especially in kind of the turbulent times we're in, is there's a little bit of of um, I'll call it shade being thrown at affluent people, and I think the myth is that wealthy people are kind of the enemy or in working against folks, and I don't find that to be true with the majority of my clients, if not all of them. 
these are just hardworking folks that built something from the ground up. Most of them, you know, a lot of the business owners that you probably interview, um, they've built wealth for themselves and their families and they want to maintain that, but they do a lot for the community. I mean, you think about Naples and the philanthropy that happens here. That's not by accident. That's, that's kind of goodwill, good intent. And so it's just something I've kind of noticed that, you know, there are some bad actors out there in all classes, but, uh, for the most part, my experience with affluent people is these are people I aspire to be like. Um, I look up to them and I, I try to learn as much as I can from them because they, they live life well, both ethically and financially. So that that's broadly one that I can think of. And then there's yeah. some other smaller financial ones that probably aren't as relevant. No, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up. You know, it's 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 something that I hear kind of the background noise and, you know, having, uh, you know, had a career just operating multiple businesses and hey, some businesses awesome, other businesses not so awesome. And, uh, you know, it's, you're, you're right. I mean, it takes a lot of hard work, you know, some luck, <laughs> planning, and you, you don't just wake up one day and, and have wealth. And, you know, the other, the other part of that is besides the risk that those individuals took, and there was no guarantee, um, is that, you know, wealth is not a zero sum game. You know, you, you don't like make a dollar tomorrow and, and take by taking it from someone else, you know, this is all created and, yeah. and we can all be wealthy. You know, there's, there's not like a, a box that all the wealthy people fit into. And once it's full, man, no one else is allowed in the club. It's like, it's open to everyone. That's, yeah. that's the foundation of America. Right. Well, I, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think there's two concepts I'd point out there. One is uh, that the top 1% doesn't usually stay the top 1%. So it's not, you know, it's not like it's the same group of people one year to the next. You know, there are, there's the big names that everybody knows because they show up on the Forbes list. But there's a lot of other unknowns out there. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I think, I think, affluent people. They're just regular folks. Uh, they've, they've put a lot of hard work in. And I think in a lot of ways, both from a, you think about a tax perspective, uh, providing jobs perspective yeah. from creating value for their clients and their stakeholders. It, it's just, uh, it's just a win, win, win. And the second thing I think is the, the idea of scarcity, which I think is what you were talking about yeah. mentioning. Uh, and that happens on the advisor side too. A lot of advisors think there's scarcity and there's not enough people to serve. And when in reality, there's actually a shortfall in advisors, there's a great need at all levels of, of affluence, you know, down from, I have no idea. I don't even have a job yet, but I'd like to, and I want to start saving when I do to, I have millions and millions of dollars and I don't know how to coordinate all of this to be efficient with it. You know? And sometimes it's just helping people figure out how to give their money away. You know, that's, yeah. it could be as simple as that, but there isn't that scarcity that people think to your point yeah. and become yeah. wealthy. If you apply yourself and, and follow the time and time and tested methodologies that these yeah. people use. Yep. It is open to everyone. So good stuff, Brian. How about Brian after hours? What are you doing outside of the office for fun? Well, I have a four-month-old daughter now, Harper Catherine Herrick, and so that after-work is a little different this year, and obviously last year was a wash, I think, for a lot of folks, so you know, didn't mm. do a whole lot, but if, if you talk to Brian two years ago, what was I doing? A lot of after-work uh, networking events, uh, you know, involved with the Young Professional Group, 
huge supporter of the Leadership Collier Foundation down here in Naples. Um, they do a lot of great work in the community. Uh, I participate in the Emerging Leadership Council, which is you know, basically a bunch of next gen boards and next gen groups that get together and talk about, you know, how to serve the community better and coordinate their activities. Um, and then recently, what one I'm really excited about is I just joined a advisory committee for Valerie's House, uh, which is a nonprofit in town that helps uh, children who have lost a loved one uh, in the grieving process. Um, and so if, you, if, if you're curious about that, I highly encourage or if you know someone who's lost a, a loved one and uh, has a has a kid, um, I would highly recommend you guys look that up or come talk to us. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, how about when it comes to a hardship, Brian, or life challenge? What comes to mind looking back in life, a time that you were challenged, got through it, and you can now say, hey, it was a good thing. I'm better for it. I'm stronger. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to out myself here and share something publicly that usually I don't share even with 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 the close circle. But I think I think to answer your question, to be honest, um, I was going to the Virginia Military Institute and I think I had overwhelmed myself. I was on the rugby team. I was uh, I was an officer in the Corps of Cadets and I was also doing Ranger Challenge at the cadet level. And I had uh, I think I was taking 18 credits a semester and I think oh. I burned myself out. And so I started to lose focus of kind of both the academics and the the uh, military curriculum in terms of like getting little demerits here and there for inconsequential things. And they amassed and eventually it became apparent to leadership at school that, you know, I just wasn't in a good headspace to be there. And so I was asked to leave. And so it's a really embarrassing thing to admit now, but or not admit now, at the time I was very ashamed of it. Yeah. But looking back at it now, I think a lot of my success comes from that failure, having having um, learned something about myself in terms of not taking on too much or taking on the right things, learning to say no, and understanding what the cost of, of burning yourself out is. And it, it did cost me. I mean, I, I didn't end up going back there. Everything worked out. And, and, and like you said, you know, you kind of illustrated the life turned out great and I'm, I'm happy and I wouldn't do it differently. I, I'd be afraid, in fact, if that didn't happen, that things wouldn't have turned out as well as they did. That's a real good point, boy. That happens later on in life with kids and family and all that. That that I mean, it, it was devastating back then, but it has a ripple effect. At least you were the only one that was really impacted versus later on in life where it could impact a, a whole bunch of other innocent bystanders, as they say. So. Wow. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. How about one thing you wish our listeners knew about you and or key private bank? What would that be? I'm, <laughs> this is a tough question for me because I tend not to be much of a self promoter. Um, uh, one thing, Oh, I'll one interesting thing, I guess, that is hard to tell people when they ask me, people will ask where I'm from. I actually grew up overseas. Um, and so uh, I've lived in the Philippines. I've lived in Brazil, Portugal, Slovakia, wow. Belarus, and Switzerland. And I didn't move back to the U.S. until I was 18. So, uh, Whoa. so yeah, so I have I have a hard time answering the question, where are you from? <laughs> I, it's the first, the first thought in my head is, how, like, 
is this person being polite or do they really want to know? Cause I don't want to just drop that bomb on them and just kind of, <laughs> right. So that's, that's that. And then key private bank. I think what I'd want people to know, um, we're actually a super regional bank. And so we have $170 million, $170 billion in assets and the key private bank manages about 40 billion. So here locally, I think folks, think that we're a small boutique and though that's true in the way we treat our clients and we behave, um, we have the full backing of a, a, a substantial institution and resources that I don't think people are, are quite aware of. So yeah, that's, mm -hmm. those are the two things I think are worth sharing. Good stuff. Good stuff. And with your extensive travel background, if you were to go back to one of those places, where would it, which one would it be? Switzerland hands down. So wow. I went to a boarding school in Switzerland, uh, compliments of the U.S. government. My, my mother was a, a, a diplomat. And so um, I had the privilege of going to a boarding school in a place called Lausanne, Switzerland. And Tuesdays and Thursdays during ski season, we were forced. It was unfortunate, but we were forced to go snowboarding. And we had an instructor that went with us and kind of took us off, off piste and all that stuff. And Aside from that, though, literally one of the most beautiful places in the world um, mm -hmm. and the people are nice and it just kind of if you haven't been there, you should put it on your bucket list. Yeah, love it. Love it. Well, awesome. Well, Brian, I'm sure we have folks listening who want to get in touch. What's the best way for them to do so? Um, probably to email me um, if it's uh, I'd say Brian. B-R-I-A-N underscore M as in Matthew underscore Herrick, H-E-R-R-I-C-K at keybank.com. Or you can call me 239-466-2502. And I'd love, you know, personal or professional, you let me know. I'm happy to help. I love seeing people succeed uh, in and out of work. That's awesome. Well, Brian, it's been a pleasure. Uh, wish you the best going forward there. And uh, we'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Charlie. Thank you for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast. To nominate your favorite local business to be featured on the show, go to goodneighborpodcast.com. That's goodneighborpodcast.com. Or call us at 239-224-4105.